for joining us on Kingdom Empowerment Radio. This is your host again for tonight, 
Behima McLean. We want to thank you and welcome you all to Kingdom Empowerment Radio, Black Talk Radio. Uh, with the founder, Dr. Ganning, we bless God for you and your wonderful husband. Uh, all the uh, guests that's on here this evening and visitors and friends, we welcome you back. Uh, we are on here every first and third Mondays of every month at 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Again, that's every month, every first and third Mondays of every month at 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Amen. And my segment is called Eliminating and Exposing uh, uh, Witchcraft Operations Within the Church. Uh, however, uh, there are times that we do branch off into different subjects. And so tonight I want to talk to you about uh, Kingdom Insights, but Kingdom Insight uh, is very general, but I wanted to focus specifically on the life of Mephibosheth, on the life of Mephibosheth. I've been studying a little bit more about this this character in the Bible, and I think that so many of us can relate to him today. And so tonight I do want to talk about the story of Mephibosheth, and I think his uh, story is very significant to what many people are experiencing in their personal lives uh, in ministry and the, the body of Christ as a whole. And so we're going to go into this topic. Uh, again, we open up the lines every 10 to 15 minutes for any caller who has any questions, statements, or comments. Uh, please, I implore you, if you are on here or you're listening to this uh, blog talk radio, please, I encourage you to invite a friend. We are getting powerful uh, kingdom insight and teaching and download new revelation from the Holy Spirit. And so we're getting uh, powerful teachings that you cannot afford to miss. And uh, if perhaps you want to invite someone or they have missed it, you can always go back to the archive and listen to these messages. And I also encourage you to share it. Share it. Let someone know that we are on here so that way uh, they too can receive the word of the Lord. Amen. We're just going to go into prayer and then we're we'll get right into the topic. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, we thank you, oh God, for this is the day that you have made. God, we thank you, amen, for allowing us to be back on here once again as we have embarked upon the new year 2018. Lord, we give you all the glory, all the honor, oh God, that you have preserved us for such a time as this. Father, we ask, oh God, that you will be glorified in our lives this year. We pray, oh God, that you will continue to pour out your spirit upon us as you declare in your word, you will pour out your spirit upon all flesh. And, God, we are desiring more of your presence. We are desiring for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit that this year that we will get new revelation, Father, that our lives will be changed and transformed. Lord, I thank you for the uh, increase. I thank you for the expansion in our personal lives, also on Kingdom Empowerment Radio Program. God, you declare your words that eyes have not seen, neither ears have heard, nor have entered into the heart of God of the things that you have in store for those that love you, God. And here we are in expectation, knowing that what you said you will do, you will do it, Father God. And we give you all the glory, honor, and the praise. I pray that those who are hearing this message, that, Lord God, that they will learn, that they will make these 
words uh, and teachings applicable to the lives for you said the hearers of the word are just, the doers of the word are justified. And God, we pray that God, we will be doers of your word, allowing your word to be applicable in our lives, that it will help, oh God, to, to change us and transform us in a way that we have never imagined. God, we thank you. We give you all the glory, all the honor, and the praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Once again, for those of you who are just tuning on, uh, this is your host for tonight, Dehiba McLean, with the founder, Dr. Gani, all our friends, our visitors, and, and family that's on here on Kingdom Empowerment. We welcome you in the matchless name of Jesus Christ. We are on here every first and third Mondays of every month from 7 p.m. through 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Tonight, our topic is Kingdom Insight, but we're going to be focusing on the topic or the character of Mephibosheth. <clears throat> Mephibosheth. Now, many of you uh, may not know who Mephibosheth because uh, this is a story that we oftentimes don't talk about. Uh, our character, we don't usually put too much emphasis on. We typically focus on those characters whom uh, that have had some great significance in the Bible. And, you know, we focus on Moses and David and the life of Christ and Paul and other uh, Bible characters, but we very rarely look at the life of Mephibosheth. And uh, Mephibosheth, though he wasn't significant uh, to many people or in the eyes of many people, uh, his story is one that really is impactful uh, when you look at it uh, in a sense where of how he lived his life, you'll find that many of us can relate to this story. And so I wanted to talk about Mephibosheth and just highlight tonight uh, his life experiences that I believe that we all can benefit from. And so when you look at Mephibosheth, you can learn more about Mephibosheth in Second Samuel chapter 9, and that's the scripture we'll be focusing on this evening. Second uh, Samuel chapter nine, and so Mephibosheth, uh, Mephibosheth was the grandson of Saul, and the son of Jonathan. Again, he was the grandson of Saul and the son of Jonathan. And uh, Mephibosheth came from uh, a lineage of people that uh, was royal. Uh, when you look at King Saul, King Saul. Uh, was the king over Israel. So he held a very, very prominent position. He was a man of importance. Uh, he was a man of authority. He was a man that uh, God has anointed. Uh, even though he was rejected ultimately and the kingdom was taken away from him, but he still was anointed by God. And even though he was God's cho- uh, men's choice, he was still anointed by God. And so we find that he came from a very, very uh, important lineage of, of powerful men uh, uh, and his father being Jonathan. And so uh, he came from great prominence. And um, now when you look at Mephibosheth, you expect that because Saul had such a important role that he played over the uh, over Israel, uh, and and he assumed such great responsibility. Uh, and Jonathan was the son of Saul, and he too was also very significant because he was very closely knitted to David, who later became king over some parts of Israel. 
And so they were closely knitted. So David and, and, and Jonathan were also um, great, uh, men of great influence. So one would assume that because Jonathan and, and Saul had such great influence that whomever is within their family lineage or line uh, or genealogy, rather, that they will also inherit uh, having a rich background and inheriting blessings, and they're, they're supposed to live a life of luxury and the abundance of things. Uh, and, and they're supposed to be one that has great charge and rulership. But when you look at the story of Mephibosheth, this was not the case. This was not the case for him. Uh, and throughout his life, he had to live his life as an outcast and one that was an underdog, an underdog. Now, uh, he lived a life as an outcast because something happened to him. Something happened to him. And that's just like many of us today. Uh, many of us should be living our lives uh, just like Jonathan did, just like Saul did, one of great prominence simply because God has anointed us. And, and when God anoints us uh, to rule, to have governing authority uh, as sons of God, uh, we're supposed to be living as rulers. We're supposed to uh, be one that, that has great dominion, great authority, where people look up to us, where uh, uh, kings and queens look up to us, where governments look up to us simply because of who we're connected to, simply because God has anointed us. And, uh, and so we're expected to be just like that. Uh, but a lot of us can relate to Mephibosheth because Mephibosheth, instead of living a life of luxury, he lived a life as an outcast, an outcast. And many of us today have lived as an outcast. Perhaps some of us were the black sheep of our family. Uh, um, everybody else was loved, but why was I the only one in my family that no one respected? Why am I the only one in my family that's an outcast, an underdog, that they don't look at me to be significant, that uh, um, I am not one to, that people have much favor in, in their sight? Uh, or maybe you are just a, like a Mephibosheth that you have, experience this in ministry. Maybe you're in ministry and everybody else seems to be getting blessed. Everyone seems to be honored and, 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 and respected. Everyone else seems to have a place in the church, a place uh, where they are holding a seat or a title, but no one sees who you are. You're, you're just existing, but you're not living. You're not living the life that everyone gets to enjoy. Uh, or maybe that's you on your workplace, in the marketplace, that uh, everyone in the job is getting a promotion. They're getting a, an increase, and they're getting bonuses, but you're the one who's working like a Hebrew slave, 
and there is no reward for you. You're just working overtime, but no one sees you. And so I like to call this the Mephibosheth syndrome. Uh, I'm going to say it again, the Mephibosheth syndrome. The Mephibosheth syndrome is a, a terminology that um, I actually came up with. And the reason why I came up with this, because when you look at the life of Mephibosheth, uh, these are the, some of the things he experienced. Uh, he was an outcast, as I mentioned before, an underdog, one that was rejected, one that had to deal with constant disappointment, one who had to deal with seclusion, isolation. No one saw him in the eyes of others. He was a nobody, a person of no significance. So this is what we call the Mephibosheth syndrome. And many of us have had to deal with the repercussions of Mephibosheth syndrome. Now, when you look at the name Mephibosheth or the origin of the name Mephibosheth, uh, Mephibosheth means the mouth of shame, the mouth of shame. And so, as I said before, he wasn't living his life according to his lineage, but his name. And I'm going to say this real quick without coming off of the topic. It is very imperative and important that when someone has given birth or when someone uh, is making their entrance in the world and you have a child, that you do research on what that name means. You do research on what that name means because the child oftentimes takes a spirit or the characteristic of that name. And so because his name was Mephibosheth, it meant the mouth of shame. And that's exactly the life he lived. So in spite of him having a, a powerful, being a part of a powerful lineage, the fact that his name was Mephibosheth, it literally clashed with who he really was meant to be. And so he lived the life of shame. So he didn't live it based on his lineage, but his name. Uh, and we see throughout the Bible, names have great meaning. Uh, uh, we see this even with Jezebel. We see that with so many different individuals. And so we do want to be mindful of that. We want to be mindful of the names that we call our children the names we call one another because we may think that names mean nothing or words mean nothing, but it takes on life within itself. And so the life that you were intended or supposed to live, now you're taking on something that you were named. Uh, and, and so here it is, many of us today should be walking based on our divine sonship. But that's not happening. We're supposed to be displaying or exhibiting authority, uh, our power, uh, dominion as sons of God because he died uh, for our sins and he has given us the keys. He's given us the keys. These are the kingdom insights I'm talking about tonight. He's given us the keys of sonship that we're not supposed to be living below our identity uh, or below our means. But here we are, just like Mephibosheth, 
Many of us are living, for lack of better words, uh, and also says in the Bible, so this is not a bad word, uh, many of us are living our lives as bastards. We're not living as sons of God, but we're living as bastards. And though we're in the kingdom, and though we call ourselves Christians or disciples of Christ or believers, whichever one you identify yourself with uh, or name you identify yourself with, uh, we're supposed to be one that when people see us, they see a replica or a representation of sons of God. But rather, they see that we're living as bastards. What do I mean by that? Uh, We're living a lifestyle, and I'm not saying that it's a terrible or a horribly bad thing, but we're living a life of one that's in poverty. Uh, Maybe some of us are re-walking around not knowing our identity or our sonship. We're living life in isolation. We're living from paycheck to paycheck. We're living in in a way where uh, we're living based on carnality, when really God called us to be greater. And so we're living apart from what God has initially planned for us. We're living our life as bastards. And when you look at a bastard, a bastard are people that have been forsaken and people that have been forgotten, forsaken and forgotten. Uh, And so I want to encourage you tonight that though you've been forsaken and forgotten, God can still favor you. He can still favor you in the midst of you feeling forgotten. That though men have forgotten you, God will still favor you. He remembers you. When men have short-term memory, God has eternal memory. He doesn't forget anything. Nothing falls between the cracks. He dots his eyes. He crosses teeth. God has all his ducks in a row. Uh, uh, he's not short-sighted uh, when it comes to us. Uh, he's not slack concerning his promises. He's not a man that he should lie, neither is he the son of man that he should repent. And so many of us will feel forsaken, but we are not forsaken of God. Uh, The only time an individual is forsaken of God is if God has spoken on numerous occasions and then he leaves such individual to their reprobate mind until they repent again. But he does not forsake us. And it is not his will that he will forsake anyone. It's often our presumptuous lifestyle, sinful lifestyle that will provoke, listen to the key words, that will provoke God to leave such individual to their reprobate mind. But that's not his will, nevertheless. So for us to be forsaken of God, it's something that we have to take accountability of not something that he would willfully want to do. So, uh, so here it is. Many of us will feel forsaken and forgotten, but we are not forgotten of God. Now, why am I bringing this up? Because many of us have been feeling like Mephibosheth. Maybe you have gone through what your life and you're saying, wow, God, I've been in this Christian 
walked for a very long time, but nothing seemed to be happening for me. When I was in the world, I had more money. When I was in the world, it, my relationships worked better. When I was in the world, and then you started to compare your life to when you were living an unholy lifestyle compared to when you are in Christ now. And you begin to compare yourself and said, I never had to experience this much warfare since I have come to Christianity. But this is a part of the package. This is kingdom insight I'm giving you. Why am I saying this to you? Because the Bible reminds us that we're to take up our cross and follow him. Because in order for you to be deemed as a son of God or one that's a lover of God or one that's a follower of Christ, then you have to first learn what it means to go through warfare. And you're saying, God, why can't I just have it easy? But easy does not prove the legitimacy of your love. Easy, I'm going to say it again, easy does not prove the legitimacy of your love. If you want to measure the depth and the root of your Christianity and your foundation in Christ, he has to first try you. He has to first allow you to go through some things so that he can begin to show you, not that he doesn't know, but to show you and illuminate to you where you are in your life. Not only does he do that, but that's how God proves and not that he needs to prove anything to anyone, but that's how God shows us or demonstrates to us his power. That when people forsake you, he doesn't forsake you. And he shows up in impossible situations. And I'm speaking very slowly tonight because this is a teaching and I want you to grasp this. He shows himself up in impossible situations so that you can understand that it was never in your own strength or own human effort or ability that you have got yourself out of the situation. Uh, he allows you to be in impossible situations that man can't take no credit for it. Uh, less man will say, I have blessed you. Let men have said, I have saved you. Or some would say, I have done this thing. No. God allows it where he creates situation that it goes beyond the natural, where it's only the supernatural intervention that you knew that it was the hands of God. And so we find that many of us, are in like Mephibosheth said in that regard, that we have come to a place where we have found ourselves in impossible situations, that only God specializes in these things, that only God could have saved you from that sickness. Only God could have saved you from that marriage, from that you. 
from that witchcraft, from falling apart, from committing suicide, from killing someone, from doing something that we should not have done, something that we could not have done to help ourselves. Uh, God specializes in those things, and that's what he did with Mephibosheth. He waited till Mephibosheth's uh, syndrome or situation become, became so, so uh, uh, impossible that he was disregarded, that he was a bastard, to the point where no one wanted to be associated with Mephibosheth because the life of Mephibosheth is shame. And I just don't want to partnership with shame. And, and some people have even left your life because upon you, for a season, you have worn the cloak of shame. And people say, I don't want to be affiliated or connected to shame because I will look bad or because I can't benefit from it. And, 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 but they don't realize that there's still something special about me. That even though I'm in my season of shame, it does not negate the fact that God is going to show up in my situation where he can transition my life from a season of shame to a season of success. I'm going to open up the lines. If anyone is on the line that have any questions, statements, or comments, Caller, you are live. We have approximately one and a half hour left. You still have time to invite someone on the line. Caller, you are live. Uh, please state your name, uh, your question, statement, or comment. If you choose to remain anonymous, you may feel free to do so. Caller, you are live. Caller, you are live. God bless you. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. Um, I'm not certain if um, if my calls are coming through at the moment, but I'll just continue. Uh, please hold on to that thought. I do know that there are some people that uh, I'm sure that you want to interject and give your, uh, your feedback, but I'm going to uh, continue until I can uh, allow my callers to state uh, their questions, statements, or comments. Caller, you are live. Hello, can you hear me? Yes, I can Hello? hear you now. God bless you. Oh, God bless you. Yes, are, you yes. here? are you there? Yes, Praise yes, the Lord. I'm here. God bless you? you. Amen. I can hear you very clearly. Okay, great, great. Uh, excellent topic, excellent topic. And uh, thank you so much uh, for taking my call. And you're, you're right. Uh, there's a lot of people out there because of who they're associated with, uh, what their name is, uh, maybe uh, sins of uh, our father or our mother. We, we, we get unfairly labeled for things we had no control over. And, you know, I liken what, what you're saying, uh, Mephibosheth, uh, and, his, and the significance of his name uh, destroying shame, you know, it's amazing because when uh, you, you look at his, uh, how David had blessed him and showed kindness toward him, 
Um, I see the favor of God upon the life of Mephibosheth. Um, I see God saying, uh, even though you you may be lame in the feet or uh, you may have this particular issue, that doesn't necessarily mean that the hand of God is not upon your life uh, because of that shortcoming. The God that we serve is not a temperamental uh, 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 God that is not familiar with uh, the needs of humankind. Case in point, I want to also uh, reference uh, in Solomon uh, when we look at the life of Solomon and yeah. uh, and all his wisdom and knowledge. Uh, he had a problem. Uh, <laughs> he loved women. And he loved a lot of them, unfortunately, and uh, a mm-hmm. lot of these these women uh, pulled him away from uh, his relationship with God because a lot of the women, uh, majority of them, uh, served other gods, and they pulled his heart away from the one true God. But even in that, um, uh, God still showed mercy uh, towards David. Uh, the Lord became very angry uh, with, with Solomon and uh, Solomon did not follow the covenant, the uh, the covenant and statutes of the Lord. So the Lord had said, "I will take away the kingdom from him, and he will give it to his yeah. servant." But he said, "But the Lord said something interesting. The word says, notwithstanding in thy days, I will I will not do it for for David thy father's sake." So yes. even. In the Lord's anger towards Solomon, he still remembered his father, uh, King right. David. He still remembered the faithfulness. So it actually what, what, what kept the Lord from stripping Solomon completely was the fact that he remembered the faithfulness of the father of Solomon, King David. So uh, God remembers. He, he, he's not a God of amnesia. And Moses made that made that clear as well. And he, uh, Moses, in, in God's anger towards uh, his people who who were rebelling against him, and he made a they they, they made an image. Uh, uh, Moses remembered. Uh, uh, he he said, "Lord, remember your people, remember your covenant that you establish with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob." And you know the scriptures say that the Lord repented, or he turned away from. Uh, his fierce anger. So when we remind God, not that he forgets, uh, of the covenant, we say, Lord, but Lord, you, your word says that you are you are a God who is merciful and compassionate and slow to anger, full of grace and truth. This is what mm-hmm. your word says that you are. And we have to, and, yeah. and he loves when we hold him to his word. The Bible That's says right. that his very word is above his own name. So when we take the word of God and we say, Lord, this is what your word, this is what your word says that your character is, that you are loving and you are faithful and merciful. And Lord, you, you have not forgotten the covenant that you've established with our forefathers, with those that came before us. So when we hold God to his word 
And somebody might say, wow, you talk to God that way. See, when you have a relationship with God, and I'm not saying be disrespectful, but when you have a relationship with God and you can have a conversation with him, like we're having a conversation now, and it's that real, and you can say, but, Lord, this is what you said. This is what your word says. And, and Lord, I, I, know I, I know I'm reading this correctly. If I'm missing it, then show me. But, Lord, this is what your word says, that you will not leave your people. You will not forsake them. And when I look at Mephibosheth and and how David blessed him, I'm like saying, wow, this is this is the favor of God. That God does not look at the outward but the inward. He look he looks at the he looks at faithfulness. He examines the heart of the individual. And you know, some people may not well name their child Mephibosheth <laughs> or or Judas. They say, well. Because these names have significance. And some people may not name their child Mephibosheth because of the scripture where it says his nurse in her haste, uh, 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 he fell and he, uh, and, he, uh, and he became lame. So I'm not going to name my child, my newborn child, after uh, 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 someone who was lame of the feet so, or someone who betrayed Jesus. I'm not going to name uh, uh, my son Judas or my daughter Jezebel. And... <laughs> These names are significant is what I'm trying to say. So, yes, we do have to be very, very careful uh, uh, how, uh, what, what names we give our children. But that's what stands out for me. I don't want to do too much talking is the favor of God that is upon those who we would call to be forgotten or forsaken or lame in some way. I say, well, well, maybe you're in that condition because maybe there's sin in your life. Uh, well, no, it doesn't necessarily have to be that. Um, we're quick to maybe say, well, maybe it's something you did. Maybe that's something you did. Maybe that's why you're in the position you're in today. Um, well, maybe it's not. Maybe God is trying to, to do something. Maybe he's trying to reveal something in me. Maybe he's put me in this position for somebody else. Maybe it's not all about me. So who can fathom the mind and the ways of God? Um, we don't understand why these things happen, but I think also what lessons I see in this is for us to really pay attention and for us to really be sensitive and and not to judge unfairly. Some people say, well don't 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 judge me. Uh I, I think that's such a misunderstood passage of scripture. Probably the most, mm -hmm. if I may yeah. so bold thing when it comes to judging. People have no idea what that means. Jesus never told people not to judge. And that's what that, I think that's where there's a misunderstanding of what he was saying, which is why we have to, again, understand in the spirit. We can understand this book in the natural. If you look at it in the natural, you're, you're, you're missing it. This book is representing the very mind and heart and glory of God, which is why we must pray before we open this book. Jesus never said not to judge. He never said not to judge. He said, be careful when you're doing so, so that you don't do it in an unfair and in an unrighteous manner. He said, judge, but do it fairly. Don't judge corruptly. Don't judge in a way in which uh, there's a bias in your heart, so you're going to look at it in that particular fashion. He's saying, and whatever you do, do it in a just manner. So, and I hope I didn't get too far off subject here, but I do want to say when we look at Mephibosheth and we, and we look at his name and, and what he went through, 
um, I, I, I see the hand of God. I see an example to us. Uh, don't judge people by what you see or even their beginnings. We're not to despise small beginnings. Some people say, well, you know, you're, you're born of this household. That household has never really amounted to much. Uh, yeah. But you, okay, all right. But you know what? Who's to say that the children of that household will not grow up to be successful? But you've already spoken evil over that house. You're saying no one will ever amount to anything coming out of that household. The father never amounted to nothing. The mother never amounted to anything. The son. Well, who's to say that God will not raise up a Mephibosheth? Who's to say that God will not rise uh, rise up a, a child to be something that, wow, you know, the family never even thought possible. So never despise a person because, again, of their background, because of their, uh, of their skin color, their religion, or maybe even uh, what their parents have done. What are you doing? And that's all I wanted to say. I'm going to continue to listen and take notes, woman of God, and I just want to thank you um, so much for this topic. I'm going to continue to listen. I hope I didn't drift too much off the page. <laughs> thank you. No, all is well. Thank you so much for your feedback. I really appreciate that. There are two things that you mentioned that I just uh, kind of want to expound on. Since we were talking about the significance of name and um I mean, the topic tonight is not on name, but I just want to illuminate the significance of Mephibosheth's name. But since we've been talking about name, uh, one of the things I've come to the realization, I've been making observations of a lot, is that that's something that people chase. People often chase names. Names. Uh, And, uh, you know, again, uh, let's let's you even see in in I'm gonna just bring it down to Christianity. Uh, I'm not sure about any other faith, or it can be also with celebrities. You know, if there's a celebrity in town, people are going to chase the name of that particular celebrity. Uh, if there is someone within the church, and maybe they're a celebrity preacher, everyone would chase that name of that celebrity preacher. But they are not necessarily looking at the ministry that may be quite lame at the moment. Uh, um, they may seem like that ministry that's forgotten. You know, the storefront churches that people tend to forget and overlook, like Mephibosheth, because it's not just an individual thing that people go through. Oftentimes, this is relatable to ministries. There are some ministries uh, that people tend to totally overlook. It's a storefront church. It doesn't seem like much is going on. It doesn't have a, quite of a big name. It's not a mega church. And so people will forget the Mephibosheth ministries, right? Or they will forget that person who's experiencing a Mephibosheth syndrome. Uh, and maybe they may be favored. They're favored in their life because God's hand is still upon that person, uh, but in the sight of men, you are insignificant. And, and so they won't pay that person any mind because you're just on the leg, because you're lame or you don't have any name. I'm going to get more into that. So you, you'll find that people tend to overlook that. Uh, and we also mentioned about 
with, uh, with Jonathan. And this is why, here it is again. This is why it is so imperative that we understand the principle. This is kingdom's insight. We, give, uh, we, we understand the principle of what it means to have honor, of what it means to have honor in the kingdom. And I'm going somewhere because this is why you see that the favor of God was still on Mephibosheth. It was simply because of Jonathan, not so much Saul, but because of Jonathan. And even if, watch this, even if there are stigmas in your life or something may have happened to you that has caused your life to be in the condition it is right now, it is imperative that we show honor because honor carrying out a legacy. I'm going to say that again. Honor carries out legacy because of the kindness that Jonathan showed to David is why he was able to also show that kindness back to Mephibosheth. Honor carries legacy. And even if, and we saw that even the life of David, even though Saul was not kind to David, David still showed honor. David and Jonathan showed honor. And honor was that which caused God to bless them and also bless Mephibosheth. So we have to keep that in mind and in perspective. Let's go a little bit further into this topic. And, and so here it is. Uh, you know, I would tell people, don't necessarily chase a name because everything that have a name on it doesn't mean it has the favor of God on it. Let me say that again. Everything that has a name on it doesn't mean that it has the favor of God on it. And oftentimes that which looks like uh, it doesn't have the favor of God, usually that's where God is present. And so we want to be careful, as a man of God used the word judge, that we're wrongfully judging or assessing things because we're not looking at it from a spiritual spectrum, but rather we're looking at it from a carnal spectrum. And so people like to run towards that which looks popular, but it doesn't mean that the favor of God is upon it. So we see here uh, he lived a life of insignificance, insignificance. And, and so people uh, misjudged him because he was lame. Likewise, people misjudge us because we, we have moments and seasons in our life where we, we, we just uh, can't seem to pull ourselves up, right? And as a result of that, there are many individuals that would think that because you are like Mephibosheth and you're lame and you're incapable, they will say that you are not qualified. Uh, they will say that you're stagnant. Remember, the Bible says he was lame in his feet. And so because uh, they, this is a spiritual sim sim symbolism, that you may also be at a place where you are complacent. And, and maybe God is not manifesting himself in your life right now. Perhaps you're in your process. So because you are in your process, people perceive you to be lame. And they would think that, well, you're not qualified or you're not good enough. You're stagnant and they don't see you amounting to anything yet. 
and, and because of your condition, uh, people would criticize you. Because of your condition, people look at you like you're a nobody. They say you're not qualified. You're not qualified to be that pastor or, or to be in that, t- have that title or that place of leadership because you're lame in your feet, because it, it seems like you're not where you should be. Hello, am I talking to somebody tonight? Amen. And they begin to judge you. They begin to stigmatize you based on your condition that you're facing now. Uh, and, and some will even gossip about you. They will laugh at your situation. Uh, and instead of them building you up, instead of people uh, promoting you or trying to help you to get on your feet or to get past the process you're in, they would rather laugh at you. They would rather mock you because you are immobilized now. Uh, They will be quick to toss you to the side uh, because they feel that you are no use to them. And and, and that's what would happen with many people that who's been going through the Mephibosheth syndrome, you've been tossed to the side because you are in your process. And, And people, I realize it's one thing with people is that they will only stick in your life as long as they can benefit from you. But as soon as they can't get nothing from you, you're no of use to them. You're of no use to them. What do I mean by that? I have heard so many people say uh, that they've been good to someone, they have done good to someone, and they sacrifice, but the moment that they were no longer able to do that, then they were discarded. And this are, these are not the people that we want to associate ourselves with. Now, I can't dictate to you uh, the kind of people that you want to associate yourself with, but it is imperative that you understand, especially in 2018, the people whom you connect yourself with, because you don't want people uh, doing any of these things that they did to Mephibosheth, criticizing him, talking to the side, judging him, because he, of where he was now. And, and, and But the moment that he's found favor, then they want to be in your midst. But the moment that you're no longer able to benefit them, then they disappear. In 2018, you've got to understand these are not the individuals that I encourage you to be connected with. I can't tell you who to stay connected with, but in order for you to move forward or advance forward, you want people that have the your best interest at heart, that even if you are going through trivial moments, that you're going through the uh, storms of life, you're going through the waters, you're passing through the fires, that they will be right there with you. They're there to encourage you. They're there to build you up. They're there to say, I understand that you are not where you are right now, but I'm going to help you to get there because I understand your purpose is greater than your process. See, well, that's one of the things that I like about uh, uh, the man who helped Jesus to carry the cross because uh, uh, even though he was selected, but there was something about this man. He helped Jesus while he was through the process because 
because the purpose was so much greater. And that's how we are to visualize people. We have to visualize people in this sense that uh, the purpose is greater than the process. Don't drop me while I'm in my process. Don't judge me while I'm in my process because it's only a matter of time that though you have forsaken me, the favor of God will visit me. The favor of God will come to me. And so we learned here that uh, the nurse, the nurse had dropped Mephibosheth. She dropped Mephibosheth while he was still yet a child. And so I want to encourage you today that the fall will not be your failure. The fall will not be your failure. Now, what do I mean by that? Because she dropped him. She dropped him at a critical part part of his life. That's the part when he probably needed her the most. And have you ever been there that there are times when you just needed someone the most, but they dropped you right when you were in your process. They dropped you when you had the, not didn't have the capability to carry yourself. You trusted them, carry you. You've trusted them to be there for you and, and that they will help to encourage you, to propel you, or to catapult you into your next dimension. But guess what? They've dropped you instead. And, and because of the drop, people thought that it was your failure. Uh, some of you even may have dropped yourself. Maybe uh, you were in Christ and, and something has caused you to fall. I want to encourage you tonight that that fall is not fatal. That fall should not be your failure. That even though you have fallen, God has the ability to still visit you and show up for you. And I want to encourage you with that tonight that don't allow that fall or that person who has dropped you to cause you to be in that situation. Now, there are so many people that I talk to on a day to day basis, and there are some individuals, of course, I would not disclose any name for confidentiality purposes, that have mentioned that, you know, I, I trusted my spouse to to be there for me. We had vows. We made a covenant. Uh, but they left me. They abandoned me. They aborted me. Uh, and, and, and now I'm alone. And so they don't have the confidence that they once used to have when it comes to relationships or marriage, that they feel like that they don't want to take a try at that. Maybe someone has done that in your, your job and, and, and you think, started off well, but they just seem to have gotten rid of you because they felt that you were replaceable. Now, I need you to understand that even though you may be lame in your feet now, you are not replaceable. I'm going to encourage you tonight with that word, that you may be lame in your feet now, but you are not replaceable. There's only one you. And though you may be going through your process, there's only one you. Uh, people may feel like I can replace you with someone else uh, because it's now that may be their own personal preference, but there's only one you. You are peculiar. So in spite of the lameness you're 
you may be having now, or despite of the process you're going through now, you are peculiar. Uh, you can't be replaced. Uh, uh, people may feel like, well, this person may be gifted in another area, and sure, they can choose their preference. But as far as as far as I am concerned, uh, preference means doesn't mean that I'm replaceable. That I am replaceable. There's only one you. And, and so uh, because they may have caused, they have dropped you, there's still nobody like you. And what am I saying? That you need to take hope and confidence and the assurance to know that I am special in the eyes of God, that though someone may have tried to replace me, but in the sight of God, he still finds me to be significant. I'm insignificant to man, but I am significant to God. Maybe you were in a ministry where you were in that ministry and they overlooked you. Uh, they put you to the back burner. They thought that you were only good to be a bench warmer. They only deemed you good uh, uh, to pay tithes but not good enough to have a title. I'm going to say that again. They probably deemed you good enough to pay tithes, but not good enough to have a title. Uh, they, they kept you as a bench warmer. Uh, they kept you as one that they call on you only when they needed you to volunteer your services, uh, that they only wanted you when you had something to offer them. Uh, but the moment now you need help, they're nowhere to be found on the navigational system, that even if you were to put it in the GPS, they still, you still can't find them because they find they make themselves unavailable to you. And that's what people would do. They will make themselves unavailable, inaccessible the moment that they see that you are of no use to them. But that's when the Bible begins to say that, that some trust in horses and chariots, but I will put my trust in the Lord. I want you to know that the arms of man is prone to fail you. That when man fails you, God will never fail. God will never leave you nor forsake you. That when men turn their backs on you and they make you promises to say, yes, they are with you, uh, and they turn their backs, uh, God will never leave you. Yes, hallelujah. When people betray you, God will never betray you. We've even saw this, that even though their intentions may be good, and they say, I will never leave you, when times come, when it's testing time comes, they would even betray you. We even saw that with the life of uh, Peter and Jesus, that even though Peter did love Jesus, and some people may even love you, uh, but the moment that now you are confronted with problems, they would say, oh, I'll never betray you. But the moment you're confronted with problems, uh, uh, then I don't know him. So I have the crow, had the crow uh, uh, sound itself, had the crow uh, sound the alarm uh, when trouble came. They said, I'll be with you, but the moment the crow came, then that's when they no longer knew you. Since you will experience betrayal in your life. That's a part of the Christian journey. The Christian journey is that people will abort you. They will reject you. They will betray you. Some will love you. Some will leave you. But in the midst of it all, we understand that God never fails. And even though when we fail ourselves and even when we are our own worst enemies, uh, he doesn't fail us. When the church fails us, he doesn't fail us. When the job fails us, he never fails. God is a never 
feeling God. I'm going to open up the line for any questions, statements, or comments before I go further into the topic. We have approximately one hour left. Uh, if you have any questions, statements, or comments, or you just want to interject something, caller, you may feel free to do so now. Caller, you are live. Woman of God, um, thank you. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise I, the Lord. I hear. Uh, hi, God bless you. Hi, how are you? Um, I I'm doing well, thank God, you. Thanks. Praise God. I just want to give God thanks for the the topic that you're on. You know, I'm so grateful um, to be on the line because um, you know that's actually something I was experiencing today. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, wow. Sometimes you really don't know who to trust, you know, because, you know, even when you think, you know, when someone's even calling upon the name of the Lord and saying God this and God that, even be even more careful because right. they end up doing something that you would never have thought because, you know, they're saying God, they're, you know, they're talking about the Lord, they're speaking in tongues, and it's like, you know, they come out of nowhere and betray you or do something so shady that you would have never thought that they would do. So, you know, I just wanted to say that sometimes I feel like God puts you in seclusion. You know what I mean? Mm. Sometimes he takes away, like while you're going through your process, sometimes he takes you away from the crowd, takes you away from the people to get you to your destiny. Because, you know, in some people's cases, you know, when they have too much friends, it becomes too much distraction. Now they're hearing a lot of voices. And sometimes what the devil does, he'll work through people, especially if he knows you have, greatness in store for your destiny. He'll try to work through people to kind of stir you off the wrong, stir you off onto the wrong path. You know what I mean? And so I just want to give God thanks for the topic that you're, you're touching base on because people need to know this, you know, people need to know that no matter what's going on in their life, it's so important to really, really depend upon God. You know, it's so easy that when we get in tough situations, we easily turn to someone you know, for, for sympathy or for, for help or whatever the case may be. But, you know, God sometimes put us in situations where he wants us to truly depend up upon him because when man fail, he never fails. Well, God, thank you so much for that feedback, and you're absolutely powerful. In fact, you are in the vein. That was my next point that I was going to stress on being in seclusion and why seclusion is necessary for your success. And so I'm so very glad that you brought that up, and you're so right. You're so right about God causing us to experience that, and he has to allow us to experience that. Listen, I, I my personal testimony that I, too, had to go through that, and, and even received that those who were always successful in ministry, they first had to have a wilderness experience. Everyone oh, has wow. to have a wilderness experience because warriors are birthed out of wilderness. You can you never that. see, uh, 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 even when you look at the life of David, and I, I think I've mentioned this also, there, there are some people that will judge your promotion, but they were not there when you were fighting the bears and the lions and when you smelled like sheep. They were not there on the backside of the mountain when you had to go through the process and learn what it meant to be skilled. You see, uh, people will look at you and in that situation when God is finally trying to anoint you and when God is ready to promote you, they will look at to say, well, how did that person get that promotion? Why are they, that person is favored? And they will have every question in the world when it comes to your favor. But when it came to my process, they, they didn't judge me concerning that. And so that's what happened. People have very... Uh, they're very narrow-minded when it comes to individuals going 
through their process. But again, that's why even we saw with David, and I love the life of David because uh, uh, even when people thought that the sons of Jesse were qualified to be king, uh, they presented all, watch this, they presented all the people, his sons first. And oftentimes you'll find that in ministry, uh, because they are more of the favorable ones, they will present all the favorable ones first. They will line them up and find and think who's qualified first. But that's how God sees things. He doesn't see things the way man sees things. He says, no, I want the one who was laboring in the in the vineyard. I want the one who is laboring uh, in the cave, uh, the one who's gone through the cave experiences, the one who've learned to be skilled. Those are the individuals that I like. See, Jesse, Jesse oh, no. didn't even acknowledge David at first. I'm going to go in this direction. He didn't acknowledge David at first. In fact, he didn't acknowledge him at all until Samuel yeah. says, no, there is yet another. And that's what God would do with individuals who have gone through that. See, and that's why, I like, that's why I like the life of David, because David first knew what it meant to be in seclusion. He knew what, he knew what it meant to be rejected of the father. Even his father didn't qualify him. That's the same thing that we go through with ministry. You know, you expect that leader or that particular person to say, well, this person is qualified, but they don't even acknowledge us us in that situation. And and, and so he knew what it meant to be rejected. And that's why he had so much compassion on Mephibosheth, that he would show Mephibosheth favor because he had to go through that. And that's why I tell for every emerging and upcoming leader, it is important that we keep that humble posture and allow God to process us because it's in the midst of the process we learn skills that we are, 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 that we are going to need down the line. That's why you find a lot of people in leadership today uh, that they can get on a pulpit and they can abuse people or they can say what they want to say or do what they want to do or mistreat individuals because you never knew what it meant to be processed. And, okay. and, and so it's one thing to, to, to go on a pulpit and preach, and that's easy because a lot of things that's learned behavior. But when yeah. you understand what a person is going through, you will learn to have more compassion on people. And that's why the Bible says Jesus came down and he was touched by the feelings of our infirmity. Because unless he was touched, then he couldn't have touched us. He couldn't reach us unless he had first been touched. That's why he was so engulfed with grace and mercy and favor because I know what it feels like. I, 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 I can identify what it feels like. And that's why it's so easy. And for leadership, for some, not all, leadership to go up there and just do whatever they want to do and think it's okay to reject people or forsake people or overlook people or treat people as the underdogs. But I believe that in this hour, what God is doing is that he's raising up underdogs. Uh, see, and I'm going to mention that in a, short, in a short while. God, and he's been speaking to me, and he's been sharing with me that he's changing the pattern of things. Even when you look at Christendom today, he's changing the pattern of things. He's raising up a, a remnant. He's raising up a, a, a 
underdogs that people thought that they did not have a voice. And God now is beginning to anoint them because they've been through the process. Uh, And he's anointing them. And, and, And those who just had the big name, what's happening now is that they're fading out because it's only a while that a name can sustain you. But when you have the glory, there's no explanation, there's no expiration date on the glory there's no ex- there's no expiration on the anointing I-, I need somebody to catch this tonight there's no expiration date when it comes to the anointing and the glory of god that's on your life see oh it's one thing to have a name people will jump on the bad wagon people will applaud you they will love the fact that you're on the platform but the moment another big name comes about see they will drop you for the next big thing but when you are anointed, when you have the glory of God on your life, when you've been processed and you have gone through these testings and trials, that now it makes the oil on your life. Nobody can omit the oil of God on your life. And that's what keeps us relevant in the kingdom, is the anointing. That's what keeps us relevant. So, woman of God, thank you so much for that, for that point. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you, too. Thank you. Uh, is there anyone else that has a question, statement, or comment? Call it your life. God bless you. Oh, thank you, woman of God. I thank you. God bless you. God bless you, and thank you so much. Um, you know, you were just talking about uh, being judged in your process and and Jesse not seeing it. it, it and and you're right. You know, it's amazing. Uh, <laughs> you, you know what I really love is. When David was brought in, it was known at that point that, okay, this is the one. And the Lord Mm -hmm. said to Samuel, he said to anoint him. Now, what's interesting about uh, the scripture is that David was anointed in the midst of his family. And what I want to say is that God will anoint you in the presence of those that either say, who who are you? What makes yes. you so special? Or he will That's anoint right. you in the presence of your enemies. So I just want to say very quickly to those who may feel like, wow, you, you know, why is God doing this? Why was David anointed in the presence of his family? Uh, maybe to send a message because the thing is, is here's, David, who was brought into the house in the midst of his process, and you know that that that's why I love you know what you said uh, said regarding being judged in your process, and David was out doing what he did. I mean that's what he did for his father. He tends the sheep, and I'm sure he didn't smell very good when when he came in because he was tending sheep. No doubt he he probably was stepping in in, in sheep dung and he was dirty. Uh, no doubt. So, um, but that's what God is looking for. He's not looking for the squeaky clean. Those he's looking for mm-hmm. those that are going through process. Those who are actually maybe even broken. Why? Because he says, "I can heal you. I can use your brokenness to to, to bring healing and restoration to someone else because you've gone through something." You, That's right. You, you've been to point A. You've been to point B and C and D and E, F and G. You've been through something. And 
this is what God looks like. And, and, you know, really the answer is right there. And the Lord even told Samuel, he says, look not on his countenance or the height of his stature. And, and, and this is what we're doing today. We have a tendency of, of being attracted to the outward. We're attracted to, as you were talking about earlier, woman of God, the, the, the names and the platform and, and the big ministries. You know, you know I, I, I don't want to seem like I'm jealous. I'm not. No, not at all. I'm not a jealous of anyone that has a platform that is on the, the, the big television networks and they're bringing the gospel. And I pray that they are really doing it uh, uh, the way that God considers to be pleasing. So, you know, I, I don't want to indict anyone, but I also want to say that, you know, God doesn't think like we think. He doesn't think carnal. Uh, we, we look at people and we just, we come to the conclusion, says, okay, yeah, you're ready. But mm. the Lord says something completely different. The Lord may say, no, not, not necessarily. I don't want them. That's I, right. I want That's them. right. I want this mother. I, 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 I want this mother. I want this father. I want this son, this daughter. Because, number one, they have a heart for the things of That's God. That's right. And a lot of us, we see ministry, and you, you touched on ministry earlier. Uh, ministry has become big business. And it has become a a job for many in a sense where you have individuals who are cashing in on the vulnerability of other people. You have individuals, tragically now, who are cashing in on the vulnerability of other people. And no doubt that breaks the heart of God because that is not his intention. His intention is the restoration of people, the healing and the deliverance of people. And no one's saying even David's perfect. No one's perfect here. That's right. We don't have them all together. You know, the the Apostle Paul, you know, he said it himself. He he knows he is, you know, he's not yet apprehended and, and, and learned it all. So when we look at this thing, we must look at this and say, Lord, you can use whomever you choose. That's right. Who am I? To say this person is not qualified or or you're a woman, you shouldn't be a pastor, you shouldn't be a minister. According to the scripture, women don't pastor, women don't minister. Well, I think we've had this conversation before. Number one, I think we really need to stay out of God's business and mm, let him that's right. who he's going to use. Because God can that's use right. a man, he can use a woman, he can use a child, he can use anyone he wants to use. So we're very quick to want to get into what God is doing and want to dictate uh, 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 to others uh, how uh, they feel, okay, God is moving. But, no, let's see what the Spirit of the Lord has to say. So I, I just want to share that because you, you had touched on that judged in your process. That that sounds like a, a, a nice message in itself, and I just wanted to touch on David, which you touched on already, but I just wanted to add to it. God bless you, and I'll continue to listen. God bless you. Thank you both for uh, that wonderful feedback. I'm just going to continue here. We have approximately about 45 minutes left, and uh, we're just going to go through this as uh, efficiently but effectively and expeditiously as possible. Okay, so as we mentioned that um, people saw him to be insignificant because of his name, and uh, there are people that disregarded him and like how they do with us today, and um, I did mention in retrospect that in order for people to acknowledge you, you have to have some sort of big name or some sort of popularity, credential, prestige, or prominence, some sort of influence. Now, I, I want to 
just kind of interject this real quickly, and <laughs> this is a, um, a demonstration that someone actually did, and this is probably this is relating to the topic, but a little bit off topic. Uh, I just recently saw something on social media where this uh, gentleman, um, every time he would walk down the street, no one would pay him absolutely no mind. Uh, no one would befriend him. No one would talk to him. Uh, they weren't sociable with him. And so he decided to go down to 42nd Street and just to walk as a regular person and just to see who will socialize with him if anyone would acknowledge him at all. And he was just walking down 42nd Street. And so no one spoke to him, and he felt a sense of loneliness. So he decided, he came up with a game plan and decided, hey, look, I have an idea. What I'm going to do, I'm going to dress up like a celebrity. I'm going to put on some clothing. I'm going to put on the sunglasses, and I'm going to hire a camera crew and a few people to walk around me uh, to give the appearance that I'm famous. And he went down to 42nd Street, the same place where he walked previously when he had none of that, and he began to do that. And all of a sudden, everyone stopped what they were doing just to look at him, and people were taking autographs. Individuals were taking pictures with him. <laughs> uh, people began to talk to him and, and ask for his number and wanted to stay in contact with him, wanted to be a follower of him on social media. And, and, and so... I really looked at that and saying this is relating to a lot of what we go through today and what we've been talking about with Mephibosheth, that because people look at you to be insignificant or an ordinary person, people will overlook you. But the moment you seem to have some sort of popularity, all of a sudden, people will jump on the bandwagon, and it's sad. Why am I saying this is so sad? I'm just a little bit off topic here, but why, why am I saying this is so sad? Even when uh, uh, I know Pastor Ganny may can probably relate to this, when you're on kingdom empowerment, and though we're growing vastly and progressively, uh, sometimes when you look at numbers that you see on social media where people are applying makeup or people are just um, – are putting up videos of violence, that goes to millions. Those videos go viral. And you can be teaching solid stuff that will change people's lives forever, things that will help them to get into heaven, things that will benefit them naturally, holistically, spiritually, and very few people will give regard to that. And that's going to show you that's how mankind is. That's how humankind is. People tend to gravitate to that which seems to have some sort of popularity. And then a woman of God mentioned it earlier, which I'm going to touch on this as well. Uh, God has a habit of selecting those who are in seclusion. And I'm so glad she said it because she was right in the prophetic vein. Uh, he chooses people and selects people who are in seclusion because uh, when you are in seclusion, this is what allows God to speak to us the most. That's when he can groom us is when we are in the time of seclusion. That's when God has the ability to turn your life around in a day. And, and and that's what I love about God because he operates outside the realm of time. So when people feel like there's nothing good going on in your life, he can turn your life around in a day. It just takes one simple phone call, one simple connection, 
just one little thing for God to turn your life around. And what am I saying to you? He can do a speedy work in your life. He can divinely accelerate and propel you into new spares in that you have never imagined before. The Bible says that eyes have not seen nor ears have heard, neither has it entered into the heart of men the things that God has in store for those that he loves. He can perform miracles in your life. When you look at the life of Mephibosheth, Mephibosheth's life was a life of a miracle. There's instant miracles when uh, uh, when God arrives in our life. Miracles will begin to happen. The supernatural will occur for you only if you trust God. Uh, the Bible says that he will do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ever ask, imagine, or think. That's the God that we serve. And I heard the man of God said it earlier. Let no man despise your small beginning. Yes, you're starting out now, but God can allow to take one grain of mustard seed and he can illuminate that. See, all you need for your life is a vision. Uh, All you need for your life is a start, a small beginning, and God can use that. So no matter what it looks like in your life, you've got to tell yourself it's not over, that though people have written you off, you have to say it's not over, that God is not through with me yet. So just to in keeping to what the woman of God shared, seclusion is not a bad thing because it's in the seclusion is where God can redeem you right where you are. You may be in the pit in a state of seclusion, but he can redeem you right where you are. Uh, It doesn't take all of that for God to discover you. See, God can discover you right when you are in that pit. That's the same thing he did with Joseph, same thing he did with Mephibosheth. The Bible says Mephibosheth was in Lodabar, and that's what he did with the life of Mephibosheth. He discovered him right where he was, and he didn't need not a man to help him out. So now here we see uh, uh, in 2 Samuel chapter 4, verses 4. I'm going to read that text to you because I want to illuminate it just a bit. It says, And Jonathan, Saul's son, and had a son that was lame of his feet, which is Mephibosheth. He was five years old when the tidings came of Saul and Jonathan out of Jezreel, and his nurse took him up and fled. And it came to pass that as she made haste to flee, that he fell and became lame, and his name was Mephibosheth. And and, and this is what happens with many of us today. And I'm just kind to trying to just elaborate a bit. It says the Bible said that the nurse dropped him when he was only five years old. Only five years old. What do I mean by that? Is that sometimes you are in the infancy of your life. You may be in the infancy of your ministry. And people will say, well, you know, it don't look like you're going anywhere. So they drop you. They drop you in the midst of your infancy. He was only five years old. Maybe you're trying to start that business. And it just looks like you're trying to gather money, but it just 
People can't see it. See, as long as you can see it, as long as you know your relationship with God and what God is going to do in you, that's all that matters. Listen, when I was just starting out ministry uh, affairs, one of the things that God had taught me to do was to create a social media page. Now, uh, uh, I started out just like Mephibosheth. Um, that there was a point in time in my life, of course, which I'm over now, that I've had to, as well as many other people, had to experience rejection in ministry, and whereby nobody would acknowledge you. You've done all the right things. You've grown. You've developed. You did all the right things, but no one acknowledges you. And, And so God says, okay, now since no one is acknowledging you, this gives me the perfect opportunity for me to undergird you myself. And which is what he's doing with a lot of other individuals, that when you expected someone to be your spiritual nurse, just like Mephibosheth, you expected them to nurture you. You've expected them to undergird you. You expected them to protect you. You've expected them to cover you. But instead, the moment that they've heard something, they you. And they've dropped you in your infancy. So now, when you thought that you would actually be carried by someone, they didn't carry you. And sometimes God will say, I don't want anyone carrying you, lest they take credit for it. And there are sometimes the magnitude of the anointing on your life is too great for just anybody to carry. There are some people where God says, you know what, I don't want anyone handling you because not everyone can handle the anointing that's on your life. What's inside of you is too weighty. That's why they've dropped you because what's inside of you is too weighty. It was too heavy for them to carry. So sometimes we're getting upset with some people. Oh, they dropped me. Well, maybe the vision, the anointing, the weight that you're carrying in your spiritual womb is too weighty for that person to carry. So they might have dropped you. There are some individuals where God says, I don't want anybody just handling you. I don't want so-and-so to get credit for it. Uh, I, listen, yes, they're going to have to drop you. And yes, you're going to have to be a place of seclusion. And because I am the only one that can actually carry you in this endeavor. And so uh, all my, all my uh, journey, and, and as well as other people probably can relate, I've always wanted to do, to do things in its proper protocol because I don't believe in having a vagabond spirit. I don't believe in being independent. I don't, want, I don't believe in me being a one-man show as well as we shouldn't be. Uh, 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 but I'm like, Lord, well, who is going to, and I'm just sharing my life experiences so someone else can be blessed. This is not a bitter message. Let me make that very plain. Uh, This is not a message of bitterness. Still honor leadership. I'm going to say that again. We see that with David. Whether that leadership or that church or that organization or that boss or your parents or that husband, even though they may have mishandled you, you still love them. Hear me clearly. You still love them and you still honor them. David had the opportunity and all rights to, uh, 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 to feel like he shouldn't have honored Saul. But he did honor him. So let me make this plain before anyone misconstrues this message. This is not a message of bitterness. This is a testimony. We overcome by the word of our testimony so someone else can be blessed. And in the midst of that, 
I'm saying, Lord, I'm in my process. How do I get through this? How do I get? How do I serve you? But get God. I have no one to. Uh, uh, I see. I see someone wants to reply to my message. I'm going to open up the lines in one minute. Uh, no one to undergird me. And God says, I want you to open up a social media page because I'm going to raise you up myself. And that's what God would do. I'm gonna I'm gonna get back to that point, but I do want to open up the lines for anyone who has any questions, statements, or comments, or may have a reply to something that I, I shared. So, Carla, you are live. Amen. Um, this is Dr. Donna Ganey, and I just wanted to say that um, in regards to social media and all of those things, um, and I can say that social media is great. Um, It is a good way to grow your platform, but I will also say that it's not really about the numbers, Um, and I'm saying this coming from a long, many years of ministry and from speaking in large crowds of 2,000 and more. um, Yes. You know, you still walk away empty if no one receives Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, or if if you don't know that they actually have that received that relationship with God and that's what's most important yes. about it how many souls is being saved so you can have Absolutely. um as on one page we have we do have 12,000 but my my com- biggest concern is is a soul being saved in it all so it's not about that's the right. numbers and as far as relationships and connections you, in anything you will find, and and Jesus made this very clear to the disciples. It is a point in time for you to grow and get out of the boat. It's an, a on. point in time right. for you to have your own faith to be able to stand. And mm. even with Jesus, it was a time that he left the disciples. Okay. That's right. Um, he went into the heavens. He didn't leave them, you know, as far as their relationship and their covenant. But he, he did go into the heavens. He wasn't walking with them one-on-one. There comes a time yes. that we all are expected to stand on our own two feet. And yes. there is a – it should never get to a point where you are clinging and or so cliquish with any individual to the point where That's right. uh, you become grievous or you become anxious or you become start having feelings and emotions that are tied to the soulless realm. That's my final uh, comment. Thank Absolutely. You. That's uh, very, very powerful, Dr. Genny. Thank you so much for, uh, for bringing up and illuminating that point. That's correct. I, I, I do want to uh, expound on that um, in just a second. And the woman of God said something very powerful. Uh, that we all need to understand, that we all need to understand, and this is very, very important. Uh, Please, and I want you to hear this with your spirit ear. The woman of God said something so powerful that as servants of the Lord, as servants of the Lord, at the ending of the day, our ultimate objective, agenda, should be to glorify God and Him alone. So uh, whether we, and she said something powerful, whether it's not about the numbers because it's not about, it's not about the large capacity, uh, 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 that's not what this is about. It's about 
who's getting saved, who's receiving the message. Now, um, numbers is not entirely bad thing. Not to sound contradictory, it's not a bad thing because the more people here is the better because it, it shows a sign of expansion and that the ministry and that people are hearing so that no man is inexcusable. So we're not saying for those who have mega churches that numbers is a bad thing, but our objectives as sons of the Lord should not be so consumed or preoccupied with numbers that we don't do what God requires to do, which is to save souls at the ending of the day. So, uh, woman of God, she brought a powerful point up that I, 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 I thought I'm so very happy she did because it lets us know that we're not to have a misdirected zeal or focus because it's very, if you're not careful, if we're not careful, you, we can get caught up in numbers. As I, as I shared, we get caught up with numbers and we get caught up with names. We don't want to get caught up with that. The only reason why God has entrusted us with numbers is because he give, has given us the ability to equip us so that he can entrust us with the, the multitudes that will come. He, that means that he's given you that responsibility. The responsibility is not for us to gloat in the numbers. The responsibility that he's given us is because I trust you with this assignment to do the will of the Father, and that's about him and him only. And that's about him and him only. Now, I want to say this as well, uh, just to kind of go back and elaborate on what the what the, uh, uh, the Lord has instructed me to do, just for those who may feel like they have been uh, aborted uh, when it comes to ministry. Now, I, and I want you to hear this with your spirit ear, because my situation may not be someone else's situation. But for me particularly, coming up in ministry, I've served many years in ministry, and, and no one acknowledged me. And it wasn't a bad thing that people didn't acknowledge me because you know what uh, uh sometimes in that lesson he teaches us that it's not about acknowledgement because sometimes we weren't taught properly these are kingdom insights because we weren't taught properly we've become so much addicted to wanting to be acknowledged that when people don't acknowledge us we feel rejected these are things that he wants to teach us. He wants to teach us that we're not supposed to be so craved that uh, if the person doesn't click like on my social media page, then guess what? They don't want to have nothing to do with me. Or, you know, at the ending of the day, we have to realize that this is not about us. Now, as I said, there are people who will be quicker to watch makeup uh, 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 videos rather than they will actually hear the word of the Lord. But you know what? Ultimately, people have a choice as to what they want to do. Now, what God told me, he says, I want you to open up a social media page, and I'm going to do this myself. I'm going to start you from scratch, and the platform is not a platform that man has put you on, but it's what I have allowed. And so he's put that, and then God just all of a sudden started to divinely connect me with all the right people. 
See, because everyone who connects with you are not the right people. There are some people that are in it for their own selfish ambitions. I'm talking to the emerging leaders um, uh, for a second because, yes, you may have been Mephibosheth and people may have rejected you, and the moment God opens up a door for you, you want to be able to effectively discern right connections versus connections that just want to come along. And we've, had to, we've got to realize it. God wants us to partner with people who have the same objective same goals, same doctrine, the same purpose, and that's to glorify God and God alone. And so, and God says, okay, well, I want you to do that. Now, uh, and that's how God has established my ministry. And now, I'm not telling you to just go out there and be rebellious to leadership. No, uh, everyone's situation may be a little different. However, if the Lord is telling you emerging leaders to the millennials, if God is saying to you, I want you to start this business, to start this ministry, obey God. Above anyone else, obey God. And God will connect you to the right people where there's accountability. I want you to, say, I want you to hear that, where there's accountability. Uh, uh, because God always will have accountability. So you want to make sure that uh, uh, you're not just some sort of renegade. No, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying to be rebellious to your leadership. But hear with your spirit ear. So I, I just want to say for those who are experiencing the Mephibosheth syndrome that maybe you're not being acknowledged. And God will say, okay, I'm going to raise you up. And I'm going to trust to raise you up because now you've been processed. And, and I'm going to connect you with all the right people. And those connections are also accountability partners. You know, but you do want to be careful of those now who are just trying to come along. No. See, you want to – see, David was a good connection. David was a good connection for Mephibosheth because when he connected with Mephibosheth, favor now fell upon Mephibosheth. And that's how you know people are the right connections because favor will follow it. I'm going to say that again. You know when people are the right connections because favor will follow it. When people are not the right connections, your life will begin to fall apart. And, okay, so in the meantime, I'm, before I do that, I'm going to take a question, statement, a comment, and uh, we all have approximately, after the statement, question, or comment, we have approximately 20 minutes left, and I will try to wrap it up from there on. So if there's any other person that would like to uh, have any questions, statements, or comments, you may feel free to do so. Praise the Lord, sister. Um, I love um, what you said because that, that's, a, that's exactly what I was thinking about, and then you just um, touched um, touch based upon it, about connection. You know, um, you know, God really does know, like, when, when he brings you into seclusion and he's working on you and put, putting you through the process, when you meet the right person, you, you can definitely feel in your heart that, you know, it's God working it. Because, you know, what I love about God, like sometimes he'll put yeah. you in some situations where it just seems so rough and so dark and so, you know what I mean, like so challenging. And it's like yes. when good things really begin to happen, he lets you know that, hey, it's me. I'm doing it. I'm doing the work. I'm the one blessing, especially when he puts you in seclusion. You have no friends. You have nobody you can really, you know, trust or depend upon. or, or I wouldn't even say depend upon, but like really, you know, like someone that you can really trust if that makes sense. You know, you can, you can pull them aside and talk to them about certain things that you can, you know, that they'll be there for you. You know what I mean? 
when he pulls you away from the when he pulls you away from those people i love how when he 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 reveals himself to you through like the right connection like he lets you know that you know what i know you've met a lot of you know wolves in sheep clothing but i just want to let you know this is the right connection for you, you know, and you can see by the fruits that they bear, the way they speak, you know, the way they, they treat you. And then after a while, you notice they're not looking for nothing in return. They're really doing it from a good heart. So that's um, really, really true. You know, when it comes to connection, definitely. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And you're so right. Cause even again, we're going back with David that even when Saul mistreated David, he could have said, you know what, I don't have anything to do with any, any of you. But he showed Mephibosheth favor, and he was not even closely knitted to Mephibosheth, but he showed him favor. And it's important that we know whom we're connecting with because connection in this season can mean everything. The wrong connection can literally tear your ministry apart or set you back with delays. And God wants to accelerate us, especially in this time. So we have to be mindful of that. Uh, there are some individuals uh, um, that as I was coming up in ministry and, and, and God began to establish this ministry that he has given me and he's been sending me with the right people. But then also in the midst of that, there were people trying to come in and, and I automatically knew no, this is not the person that needs to be there because they were not there. They knew of you before, but they were not there. The moment now your life begins to take off and now you're mobilizing, then people want to jump on the train. But you you want to make sure that they're not just um, uh, leeches or people who just want opportunities. You have to be very, very mindful of that because sometimes God would, you have to, okay, let's put it this way. You have to be mindful of who you share your favor with. There are some people who you just can't allow to be on your platform that God has allowed you to establish because he has trusted you with the assignment. Same thing with, uh, uh, we found that in Ezra, when Ezra was rebuilding, uh, rebuilding the city, and they came and said, oh, can we build with you? He says, no, you cannot build with us. Same thing with Nehemiah. The distraction came. The Sambalets and the Tobias will come when you're building that wall, and you're building it for the glory of God, and the distractions will come. And when you think that so there are some people who will act like they want to partner with you, but they don't really want mm-hmm. to partner. They're there as conspir- conspiracies. Ooh. They're there to, to create issues in your life, in your ministry. Yes. They are yes. diabolically sent to distract you from your destiny. And so it's, it's important that we know who to connect with. Now watch this. One of the things that I like about this particular pack, passage is that uh, um, we find here that he was crippled. But, and I will oftentimes tell people that though you may be crippled, you're alive. You're not dead. And, and that's what we need to understand, that, yes, people may have counted me out, because I am crippled, but it doesn't mean that I'm dead. The fact that there is still life inside of you, it simply means that God can still use you. You are still alive, and God can still use you. God is still writing your story. Your story is not over. He, the chapter of your life is not over. There's a new chapter that God is writing for you. He is the greatest narrative of our life. And one of the things I love about that is that God favors underdogs. God always chooses from the bottom of the barrel. How 
hallelujah, and he allows those people to, to come to a place where they can say, surely it was God's hand that was upon their life. When he went about choosing his disciples, he didn't choose the Pharisees. He didn't choose the Sadducees. He didn't choose those who already felt that they have apprehended. He went and he looked for the fishermen, and he went and looked for a murderer, and that's what God is doing. He's He's picking out the underdogs to favor them. And so those people who have counted you out, as I oftentimes say, people who have counted you out cannot count. They obviously cannot count. People will miscalculate the mantle on your life because they simply can't count. Those who have counted you out cannot count. They have miscalculated the mantle on your life. And so those who are undermined, uh, those who are the underdog is getting ready to experience an upgrade, an upgrade. And that's what God is doing today. Because what's happening is that we're seeing two different things in the body of Christ. There are every, there's many people who are gifted, but there are very few people who have a voice. There are very few people that have a voice that, that can really impact the kingdom of a certainty. And so he's separating that now. And it's those who are the underdogs that have a voice. They just don't have a platform. I'm going to say that again. They have a voice. They just don't have a platform. Uh, because a lot of people are gifted, but they don't really have an impact. But when you have a voice, that's all you need for God to give you that platform where he can use you for his greater glory and honor. And he will show you favor so that ultimately that he can be glorified through it all. And so we have to make sure we're not connecting with people who are committed to miscalculating the mantle on our lives. People miscalculated you maybe because of familiarity. Maybe it's your family. They didn't think that you would never amount to anything. They didn't take you seriously because you're family. Or maybe they didn't take you seriously in that particular ministry uh, because you look like you were not mobilizing. And that's why the Bible says, watch this, that's why the Bible says that Jesus, when he went in a particular city, he could not perform miracles because of their unbelief. There are some people who don't believe in you. So why are we so committed to staying in a place with people who don't believe you? The fact that they don't believe you, you can't do, perform miracles. You can't never amount to anything in places where there's unbelief. That's why Jesus had to put the Thomases out of the room. He had to put the doubtful people out of the room. There are doubtful people who you got to remove from your life and not to say, no, you're not going to love them. You're going to love them. But there are some people where separation is necessary. You've got to separate them because where you're going is not where they're going. We've seen that with Abraham and Lot. You go east, I go west. I love you, but let there be no strife. There are some people you have to learn to uh, 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 allow God to just, uh, just to do what he needs to do in that particular relationship or that uh, in your life because there are people who will miscalculate you uh, simply because they don't see the mantle and the magnitude of their mantle now. Now, uh, uh, one of the things I love also about this particular story with Mephibosheth, it says that, um, that, that, David came and he visited. He visited Mephibosheth. He visited Mephibosheth. And he visited him in a place that's called uh, Lodabar. That's called Lodabar. 
Now, when you look at the word Lodabar, Lodabar means no pasture. It means no communication. And the woman of God mentioned it earlier, seclusion. This was a place of no communication. No one communicated with uh, uh, Mephibosheth in this place. And, and so that's where a place where you feel like there's no hope. I am in my state of Lodabar. And, and you feel that it's in this place you will never get discovered. Now, do you know that there are some individuals that will lock you up in Lodabar so that you will never get discovered? I'm talking about those people who've been to a certain particular place in their life or in ministry where the reason why you've been stagnant because they locked you up in Lodabar with hopes that you would never get discovered. They felt that because if I locked you and I put you to the back burner, if I put you on the bench, if I put you in the back seat, uh, if I didn't put you in the front row, or on the platform that no one would discover you. But that's what I love about God because God has a way of discovering you in those dark places. Uh, and Though they put you in Lodabar, see, Lodabar was good because Lodabar was a strategic place for your enemies to put you because they, they put you in Lodabar with hopes for you not to be discovered, but they strategically positioned you for God to find you himself. And so Yes, Mephibosheth was in Lodabar, and that's when David came to visit him. And oftentimes when you are in Lodabar, that's when you will experience divine visitation, divine visitation. Now, you see, even though they tried to block Mephibosheth of ever getting blessed simply because he was royal, he was uh, uh, of a great lineage, and they put him in Lodabar. Uh, uh, but, see, that's what people don't understand, that you're blessed will eventually locate you. When you are favored by God, your blessings will eventually locate you. That people can throw you in the pit as they did with Joseph. They can put you on the cross as they did with Jesus. They can put you in Lodabar as they did with Mephibosheth, but eventually your blessings will locate you because you are a magnet for blessing. And so no matter if people think that you're forgotten, favor will still follow you simply because of who you're connected with. You you are connected with God. And so don't find, don't look at Lodabar to be a place of defeat because in reality, that's where you will get discovered. Lodabar can't limit you. I want you to keep that on the forefront of your mind. Lodabar can't limit you. Lodabar can't limit me because I'm going to be located no matter where you put me, no matter where you try to hide the anointing. The anointing can't be buried. Loca blessings will locate me. You try to lock me up or, or, or stagnate me or co uh, cause me to be complacent, but favor will locate me. And that's what I need you to understand tonight. You are favored by God. You are significant. And that's what the Bible says, that David came and he visited Mephibosheth, and he had the ability to sit at the king's table. And so that's what God does. He doesn't need man's permission or authorization to let you sit at the king's table. Uh, and, and that's what God do. God will bypass their opinions. God will bypass the way they perceive you, the stigmatization the, that was left upon your life, the ostr them ostracizing you, the ridicule, the mockery. He will bypass all of that, and he will bless you right in the midst of your, uh, uh, your adversaries. He will bless you in the face of those who have hated you. That's what God will do. He will take you from out of the rubble, and 
he will promote you and cause you to sit at the king's table. So a lot of times when people put you in loaded bar, they've made the mistake when they rejected you. The fact that they rejected you, they made the mistake because they didn't think that you were going to amount to anything. But that's when God said, okay, now good. Now that they rejected you, I have gotten all the fake lo- the fake friendships and the fake partnerships out of the way. Now that they've rejected you, I've got all the negative ones out of the way. Now I can show you who's who and I can bless you with what you need to be blessed with. And so he sat at the king's table and, and he did that to bless him. And, and he will give you, he will put you right in the front seat, uh, your, uh, those who have rejected you right in the front seat to be your audience that they can see that God's hands is upon your life. And as I said, my friends, God is changing the pattern of things, and he's not using those people uh, that people expect to use. Men look at the outward appearance, but God sees the heart, and so he's changing the pattern of things. You won't be seeing the same old faces that you've been seeing on social media or through these big mega churches. Uh, He's now going to raise up a new generation, the drug dealers, the prostitutes, those people who have felt that they were It's not going to be the same old religious folks that swear that they got it all together. God is going to be using those who have a voice, and he will bless them and put them at the king's table and favor them. But as I said to you before, and I'm going to say this in closing, I'm going to take another caller, but I want you to understand you have to first be wounded before you can win. You've got to be first wounded before you can win. The vexation that they've caused in your life only provokes God's validation and vindication for your life. God is going to affirm you in this hour. So, yes, you may have been going through the Mephibosheth syndrome, but it's only but for a while. Now it's the time to sit at the king's table. Uh, hallelujah. We have approximately nine minutes left before we conclude. I'm going to take a final question, statements, or comments. Caller on the line before I conclude for tonight. So, caller, you are live. Woman of God, I just say to- one more thing. Oh, sure. Sorry, um, God, and then I'll get to the man sorry, of God. That's man all, that's of God. Okay. Go ahead, man of God. Sorry about that. No, um, that's okay. I, I just want, okay. I just want to say one more thing. I don't want to interrupt you, man of God. Um, I just want to say um, one important thing. Um, it's so important, as you were speaking about, woman of, woman of God, it's so important that we have the spirit of discernment and so yes. in this time, you know, so that when God places us in the right place at the right time, we'll be able to discern um, who he, who who's the real connection versus to someone who's just trying to leech or just trying to um, stir us in the wrong direction. And I conclude with that. Man of God, you may proceed. Absolutely. Thank you so much for that, woman of God. Man of God, you may go. Yes, I just want to say thank you, woman of God, for the, this message. Uh, very quickly, I was just taken back by the character of Mephibosheth. Uh, when David came into his presence, the uh, scripture says he fell on his face and did reverence. God was very much moved by the humility. And yeah. and even in, uh, you know, you, you see Mephibosheth saying, you know, uh, he called himself a dead dog. And mm-hmm. no doubt he was dealing with rejection. But there was a certain reverence, a godly reverence. And, and God honors, again, our heart. He honors our attitude. Toward one another And his attitude towards authority as well 
So, um, you know, and, and in closing, I just wanted to say, you know, some of us, you know, become lame from haste or ignorance, the ignorance of other people mm. in the sense mm. where uh, there are individuals that will drop us out of ignorance because of something someone else said regarding us. Instead of Powerful. finding out for themselves and saying, okay, I'm hearing all of these different things regarding this individual, but let me find out for myself uh, let me ask the Holy Spirit, uh, uh, what, what, what's going on here, instead of uh, leaning on what other people are saying regarding this particular person, saying, no, let me ask God, let me find out before I come to that uh, final conclusion. I just want to leave it there. Woman of God, thank you so much, uh, and, and uh, God bless you. Thank you so much, and I thank you for the realness of your message, and please keep up the good work. God bless you. Take care now. God bless you. Thank you. Yes, come on, God, please. Go ahead. You know, um, the man of God made a really good point um, about, you know, when people are just, like, dropping you because um, of what they probably heard someone say about you and rather than going to the source and finding out the truth for themselves. And I just want to use um, um, Nicodemus as an example, you know, when he mm. was in um, with a restaurant with the other Pharisees and the Sadducees and, you know, people – the fame of Jesus was coming to their ears and everybody was talking about Jesus and what he said and the miracles he performed um, performance. Like Nicodemus wanted to know for himself and wanted to see Jesus right. for himself and hear what he had to say. So Nicodemus um, located himself where Jesus was and his ears, mm. his own ears witnessed what Jesus had to say rather than just hearing what um, this person saying, what that person said, he went to the source. And I conclude with that. Amen. Powerful point, woman of God. We want to first of all, I want to thank you so much for your positive, uh, wonderful insights and feedback. We're truly, truly honored to have you on here, as well as a man of God to be on here. I know Dr. Ganny had also interjected, and she very, really does that. And so, you know, when she comes on, she has something wonderful to say. I want to thank you also very kindly uh, for joining on this evening, and I know that this message is not only going to bless us, but it's going to help to shift our perspective uh, going into 2018 uh, of how we're to divinely position ourselves, that even though there are some things in our life that may have crippled us, maybe we were crippled by the things of the past, but this is a time where God is going to allow us to be at the king's table, and we just have to believe that by faith that no matter where we are, even if we are in Lodabar, that favor will locate us, that there's nothing that anything or anyone can do to put us at a place of complacency that God will not discover us. In Lodabar, it may seem like a place of defeat, but really it's a place of discovery. I'm going to say that again before we conclude. Lodabar may seem like a place of defeat, but it's a place of discovery. God will find you right where you are, and he will raise you up, and he will favor you. And one of the things that the men of God shared in closing, is that the posture. See, the posture is what will ultimately determine if favor will follow you. Your posture, and as I said in retrospect, as we begun this uh, message tonight, that uh, uh, David, he had honor even when Saul was throwing javelins of jealousy in his direction to kill him, uh, and he showed, uh, throw all these different kind of assaults against his life. He still honored Saul. Uh, and though people may 
do us wrong and may reject us, but it's the posture of the heart where God will look at David and say, he's still a man after my own heart, that at the ending of the day, we're to love one another. That's what the Bible says. This is how you will know you are my disciples, if you love one another. Amen. And, and even if people reject you, and they throw you in Lodabar, they overlook you, they, don't, they see you as an underdog, you love them, and you still honor them, and you still respect them, and let God be the one to vindicate you for every vex- vexation that they may have inflicted or brought upon your life. And when you keep that humble posture, you will see that God will exalt you because God does not like pride. And, and yes, you may, may be at a place where we feel like, God, I just want to take this on myself. But if we humble ourselves, we will see the mighty hand of God move upon our lives. So just trust God in the process. It's not over for you. This is a new season of our life where God is allowing us to get to a place of divine acceleration, divine speed. God can turn your life around in a day. We just have to trust him and obey him. And above all else, knowing that we are nothing without God, that this kingdom and everything that we do is the favor of God is not for us to sit at the king's table to say, well, look what I have accomplished. But no, it's because it's all about God, and that's why he has us to dine with him, why he has us to have favor, because it's ultimately about him. So, my friends, I want to thank you so very kindly for joining us here on Kingdom Empowerment. We bless God for Dr. Ganny and for her husband for the wonderful work that they're doing. They're taking this gospel of Jesus Christ uh, uh, globally, internationally, and I pray that God will continue to bless him in the new year as well as he will bless you all in the new year. I am Dahima clean. I am on here every first and third Mondays of every month at 7 through 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, two hours of spiritual enrichment and education, as well as divine revelation and insight. We're on here, and this is getting downloaded straight from heaven. Uh, so please do invite a friend next time we're back on here. If you will, you can get connected to me on social media at Dehema McLean Ministries. That's D-I-H-I-M-A. M-C-L-E-A-N, Dehema McLean, D-I-H-I-M-A, M-C-L-E-A-N, Ministries. You can get connected with me if you have any further questions, or you can simply go back to the playback and share it with a friend. Let them know we are on here on Kingdom Empowerment, and we are impacting the world by faith. To God be the glory. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, accept him in your heart. Believe in all your heart and confess him as Jesus Christ as Lord. Amen. And you will see that the hands of God will move upon you. Taste and see that the Lord is good. God bless you, my friends. Live in the expectancy of God. God bless you and be well. Good night. Good night.